0: Subscribe
1: to Astrocast. Joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullough. Michael Brantley.
0: Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team.
2: We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Miniman. For
0: the H. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing.
1: Welcome back, Robert Ford. Joined by Astros General Manager James Click before the Astros wrap up this three game series with the Angels. Looking for the sweep. And uh, a big reason for the win yesterday, James, was Jake Myers. Uh, Two home runs, including a grand slam. His first two big league home runs. And five runs batted in, almost had a third home run, just missed one by a few feet uh, in in an earlier at bat. But, um, you know, finally getting a chance to play. And it looks like he's he's going to be able to play here for a little bit and and really get a chance to see what what Jake Myers can do at the big league
3: level. Yeah, that's the silver lining uh, of the the whole situation uh, is getting a little bit more regular playing time for, for Jake. And, you know, we talked about. A couple of weeks ago, that felt like he had done everything uh, that he needed to do to earn an opportunity to uh, to show if he could do this at the big league level. Uh, and certainly, fantastic to see last night. Um, it was it was really exciting. Just the the first one obviously was big, and then the second one just opening the game up. That was that was really really big for us. So uh, hopefully, he can keep it up. Hopefully, he can. And Kyle Tucker uh, going on the injury list
1: yesterday. Health and safety. Uh, protocols uh, any update on Tucker or any ideas to when uh, we might we might see him again
3: no unfortunately with these situations uh, you know it's it's a result of uh, or, or we have to wait on you know clearance from doctors and testing and that kind of stuff and so uh, as soon as we have more information we'll be uh, we'll be able to get it out there but um, you know our anticipation is that this will be uh, a, a few days at minimum I think Dusty talked about it before the game as well um, so we'll keep a close eye on it um you know, he's he's fine, um, but we just we need to make sure that we're safe and keeping everybody safe.
1: So that there were three guys added to the uh, Astros taxi squad today, uh, you know, with Abreu uh, and Brandon Bielak and, and Robel Garcia. Was that kind of keeping in mind that I mean, obviously, you, you hope that if there's not an outbreak or anything like that, but I wanted to have some guys on the taxi squad just in case some, some more guys had to miss time with health, health and safety protocol.
3: Yeah, we felt it was prudent, uh, especially with the team being on the road uh, and especially with day games. Uh, you know, if, if, if something happens overnight, it can be difficult to get guys there in time. And um, Major League Baseball kept the taxi squad this year uh, for these kind of circumstances. And we felt it was prudent to uh, to add them to it. Don't really love the idea of disrupting their season and, and their ability to, to get the at-bats and the plate appearances and the pitches and the innings and things like that at AAA. But Obviously, the big leagues is the priority, and, and right now we, we felt better having them with us. You know, hopefully we don't need them, um, but this is a situation where we felt like it was the right thing to do for the team. How do you
1: feel about just kind of your outfield coverage at the at the big league level? I mean, I know that was a, 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 a position of maybe a little bit of concern, certainly at the beginning of the year. Uh, and now with, with Tucker uh, missing some time, I mean, obviously having Alvarez being able to play left field like he is today, Uh, Really helps. But how do you feel about in terms of making sure you you have enough coverage there so guys get days off, things like that?
3: Well, we have a lot of unknowns coming into the season and uh, Alvarez being able to play was was an unknown. And um, his his work that he's put in to go out there and be, you know, not just a competent outfielder, but I, I would say a pretty good one. Uh, it really adds a lot to the roster and makes a lot of those decisions easier. The other uncertainty was some of the players that hadn't really had a shot at the major league level and hadn't really been able to to establish with us up at the big leagues that this is something they could do every day. And having a couple of them step up and, and show that um, it has really solidified the, the outfield depth on the roster. And um, even with Tucker being out, uh, I feel like we have – Four or five guys that we can put out there and, and feel pretty good about things
1: alex bregman's been out since mid-june uh with the the quad injury and i know he uh, also had a little bit of a setback with, with the hamstring uh tightness at, at one point on his minor league rehab minor league rehab had stopped looked like he was going to resume it this weekend didn't play in the games for sugarland yesterday or on friday what's the the latest of alex bregman
3: we determined that the best course of action uh was to do a lot of work that didn't involve playing in games and you know alex is not going to be outworked by anybody uh and he's working as hard as he possibly can to get back um, but we need to make sure that these things especially when you're talking about legs and the big muscles in the legs it has to be 100 behind you because you're worried about changing mechanics you're worrying about compensation uh, other parts of the leg or the body trying to compensate for something that maybe at full strength, but you mentally just still have a check in the back of your head, where like, I don't want to push it. And so right now we are just making sure that he is good to go at full speed with his legs completely underneath him. Once we feel like that has been accomplished, then we'll move on to making sure that the the hitting is all there. This all obviously is very fluid. I wish we were able to put a very firm timeframe on it, but especially with these major muscle groups that we're talking about here, unfortunately, a lot of it is just let's let's test today let's test tomorrow let's test the next day and just kind of see how everything responds and we won't know really what the time frame is until we get the response from his body to various stresses that we put it under over the next few days so
1: not certain at this point when he's going to play in another minor league rehab
3: game no exactly and and, you know look we're all as frustrated obviously alex is frustrated um with that but this is in our determination with the doctors the right course of action we need to make sure with a lot of this off field testing you know non in game testing that this is completely behind him and that way we can get into a regular schedule on the games i don't want to lose sight of the fact also that he didn't really have an opportunity to have a lot of very consistent playing time in the games when he was out there we had rainouts we had off days we had you know the the hamstring tightened up on him and so we're trying to get him to a point where we are very confident that he can play in a series of games in a row and that will give us the confidence that we need to, to get him back in there. And he's like, he's taken the, the long view on this thing too. Um, you know, we're hoping that this season is, is going to go into October for us. Uh, and, and that's what we're focused on. We don't want to rush him back by any means. Uh, again, it's, it's something we wish we could put a timetable on and, and say exactly when he's going to come back, but we need to just see how his body responds to various stressors.
1: With Bregman, how much of this has to do also with his past history of having some some leg injuries and some, some soft tissue injuries and maybe trying to, not
3: just this specific injury, but just trying to try and put that all further in the, into his rearview mirror? Well, anytime you're treating injuries, you're treating the whole health history of a player. And so, yes, it, it impacts it. But ideally we can get to a point where we get these things fully healed, get them fully behind us. And, and then we don't have to think about them ever again. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're trying to get to. Um, just having him mentally in a spot where he can focus on hitting uh, and being an all-star and, you know, MVP caliber third baseman. And that's, that's what we're getting to. And you can't do that. If you're constantly wondering if your muscles are going to seize up on you. And so getting that behind us, getting everything hundred percent is the focus right now.
1: Joined by Astros general manager James Click before the Astros wrap up their three-game set in Anaheim. Got some good news on, on Jose Urpiti dealing with a shoulder issue through live BP yesterday. Uh, what are the the next steps for, for Jose Urpiti? And you have an idea of when, you know, if all goes well, you might see him back in the rotation.
3: Yeah, uh, he threw two innings and 35 pitches yesterday to hitters. Um, he looked very, very good uh, from the video and the reports uh, that, that we've seen. And so... It's at this point, just making sure that he reports in today without any symptoms in the shoulder or anywhere else, just reports with what we like to call normal soreness uh, after pitching. Uh, And then it's just a buildup from that point, you know, two innings, three innings, four innings and and starts to decide when do we want to get him back in the rotation and, and kind of what does that look like? So. He's, uh, he's making good progress, and obviously yesterday's game was a, a pretty tremendous step forward. So the, the hope is the next step is a, a minor league rehab game for him? Potentially. We're going to decide, you know, is it best for him to stay at West Palm Beach and face hitters at that point, or do we want to get him out to uh, an actual game? So we'll determine that in conversations with our trainers and with him.
1: Uh, Rafael Montero went on the injury list Tuesday with a shoulder injury. Of course, one of the relievers that uh, you, you acquired at the trade deadline. Uh, any update on on his status?
3: No, no, not yet. Um, we're waiting to to uh, to get a second opinion uh, to, to just look at everything and, and make sure that we didn't miss anything. So once we get that second opinion, then we'll have a prognosis and a plan going forward.
1: This year, you know, we're getting close to September. You know, a couple of weeks away. In years past, it's been about hey, September call up. You could bring up anybody who's on your forty man roster, or add someone to your forty man roster. But it's different now. Goes from 26-man roster to just a 28-man roster uh, in September. So is that kind of and also too this year the minor league season's going till the end of September. Normally it goes until Labor Day weekend. Does that kind of change the conversation the way you think about September call-ups? And I mean, is is the concept like completely different now?
3: The idea of a September call-up, I I don't know that we really have that anymore. It's basically just, if you remember last year, we started out with a 30-man roster and then 28 and then, you know, 26. And so this is a a situation where we're just going to kind of treat it as a couple extra roster spots. And guys can still be optioned down to the minors because the minors are still going on. Uh, We'll have a couple extra guys on the bench. And, you know, one of the nice things, though, is that we're not going to run into a situation where you have maybe 36 guys in the locker room and you're struggling trying to find playing time for everybody. I mean, that's that's one of the downsides of of September call ups is sometimes you get guys up there and they play once a week. Uh, And that's not good for anybody's development. And so having the, the playing time down there in AAA. Uh, where they can keep going, I think is going to be really valuable for development this year.
1: Do you think there's value in, and I know teams would do this in the past, you talk about the difficulty getting guys playing time, but I know in the past, sometimes teams would call up maybe somebody, a top prospect who maybe he's not going to play, but wanted him to be around the big leaguers. Or, you know, I think about, you know, the Dodgers, they called up Will Smith, had him with the team in September one year because he's a catcher and they just wanted him to get familiar with how the big league catchers prepare. Do you think there's value in doing things like that, even if a guy isn't playing or maybe even not on the active roster in September?
3: Yeah, no question. There absolutely is. But that's also the reason that we like to have a lot of those guys in spring training so that they can get around the big league guys then and see how they prepare, see how they work, uh, understand the level of talent that they will be up against when they get to the big leagues. And it's, it's amazing. You know, I, I've heard stories of, of players who were 10 year veterans uh, in the big leagues and they end up being coaches in triple a and then they come up to the big leagues and they talk about how they forgot you know what the strike zone is really like at the major league level or, or how fast the game really is at the big league level and so anytime that you can get those guys who are striving to get to the big leagues exposure to the quality of play that we see up here whether it be in spring training or whether it be in september there is definitely value there but at the same time you know there is a negative of coming up and just sitting on the bench and and watching games from up close uh, and and the opportunity cost of not being able to go out there and continue to play and so the decision is always the balance of those two things. Jeremy Pena is someone we may have seen this year uh, but left wrist surgery back
1: in late April hasn't played in a minor league game this year Uh, is there any possibility he could get into games this year, and I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, minor league season goes until the end of September, so that, that might help in that regard.
3: Yeah, no question. The, the, the fact that the season is going now until the end of September, I think, makes it a very, very real possibility that Jeremy could get back out there. Uh, he's been down in West Palm Beach, and, and he's been getting his work in, uh, even though he hasn't been able to necessarily do a lot of the baseball activities. Uh, he's been doing a tremendous job just physically getting himself ready to play, getting stronger, getting more athletic. Uh, he is starting to, to get into games and swing the bats a little bit down there, and we've gotten some good initial reports. So uh, once he gets that thing completely behind him, hopefully we can get him out to Sugarland and, and see a little bit of him out there. I think it would be really valuable for him to have some games uh, at the end of the season, because a lot of guys who miss a big chunk of the season talk about wanting to have that so that they feel like they're going to have a normal offseason. So that they feel like, OK, I got back. I got into games. Now I can just do my normal offseason routine, and we're really hoping that he's in that boat.
1: I guess, you know, there's the Arizona Fall League this year, Winter Ball as well, those
3: possibilities for, for Pena. Yeah, and he had tremendous success in Winter Ball last year, uh, and it's certainly something that, that we're very open to. I, I think getting those game reps and trying to to claw back at some of the missed time uh, that he had this year, especially at a position like shortstop, uh, where there's so many little things that that happen in games that, that you can't really simulate uh, is critical, but um, he obviously was very successful down there last year, and hopefully we can get him, like I said, that playing time to claw back in some of the uh, some of the lost season.
1: All right, James Clay, Astros general manager. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully you get to watch a sweep today.
3: Hopefully, you guys. Appreciate it. All right, we'll be back with more of Astro launch right after this.
0: The 2021 season is upon us, and the Houston Astros single game tickets are on sale now. Make your plans to see the Astros live at Minute Maid Park. Your hat now? From dollar dogs and Friday night fireworks to great plays and Crawford box home runs.
1: Looking up. See you later. You won't want
0: to miss a second of the excitement at Minute Maid Park this season. We can't wait to welcome you back to the ballpark, because this season is for the age. Visit astros.com slash tickets for more information and to get your tickets today. The shape of things to come in our national sport as the baseball season gets underway. The spanking new Astrodome is the new $31 million home of the Houston Astros, a dome stadium that holds nearly $50,000 for a baseball game and more for conventions and meetings. People said, no, you can't play baseball inside.
1: You can't play sports inside. And They said, yeah, we can. It was mind boggling just to look up up there and says, finally, this is the place to play. This is the Astrodome. This is the eighth one of the world.
0: It's a home run. This is the first stadium that has ever reached the topping out point 30 days ahead of schedule. In every other case, they've been behind. Congratulations to all who make this day possible. Thank you very much.
1: Welcome back. Pleased to be joined by Den Mann. He is the uh, grandson of Judge Roy Hofheinz, who has been inducted into the uh, Astros Hall of Fame. And Judge Hofheinz is just such a dynamic figure and has left such a, a big impact on, on the Houston community. I guess, starting with kind of your earliest memories of your grandfather and of, of, of his time owning the Astros and being around the Astros.
4: I was maybe the luckiest grandkid on the face of the earth in many ways. i my birthday is a March 27th birthday, so my great memories are having birthdays at Astros spring training, going into the cafeteria where they're playing ping pong and doing all these amazing things, guys like Larry Milborn. Guys, guys who are you know, not necessarily the star players mm-hmm. at all times, and Larry would be shouting, somebody's in trouble, and he'd come in and play ping play table tennis with some of the some of the Astros players, and it was just like this larger-than-life amazing situation you know and, and and you had a when you have a grandfather who has access not only access but phenomenal behind the scenes am, amusement in the astrodome, you know I was there and running around running over to the press box getting the game notes, and I was just talking to my mom about how I would do play by play sitting in one of these little pop out windows uh-huh. that he had done where he had a circus room and he had a shooting gallery room and he had a little barber shop room and a little miniature golf course and bowling alley and it was uh it was amazing. but what I remember the most is the people he had around him that were just fascinating and fun to be around. I mean, whether it was me as just a little child with the other partners he had who helped make all of this happen. I mean, Bob Smith helped make it all happen. And Mr. Cullinan and Mr. Kirksey and Mr. Richards and, and my mom was involved. And so it was just, it was a, it was a family thing and it was a, it was a blast to be a part of and to and I was really awestruck. He was he was really my hero, and he lived until my junior year in high school. first time I really had a hard, horrible cry in my life was I'm a high school baseball player in Austin, Texas, and I get the phone call that my grandfather, who created the Astrodome and, and brought the Astros to Houston, uh, had passed away. And it was terrible. I'd, I'd been a driver for two years, so every chance I got to drive down to Houston from Austin to go to baseball games, I pretty much lived here when they had home stands.
1: And... You know, as a kid, because I wonder this sometimes, kids who grow up with, with parents or grandparents who are so well known beyond just being your parent or grandparent, when did you really start to have an appreciation for the fact that, hey, I don't have the same uh, experience that most kids have because of who my grandfather is?
4: You know, it was interesting. You know, my grandfather was, um, he had a stroke and it put him in a wheelchair. And we would still go to, like, Capan's Restaurant and these other places around town, and everybody would point. You know, they're pointing at your granddad. And it kind of strikes you that, okay, they're pointing kind of deferentially in a way that's respectful. And so I always felt honored about it. And whether it was going to Astroworld and people recognizing who he was and the, the, the chance we had to just go on rides and just just be among the other kids. And I had all these terrific friends. I and mean, Some of them might have been my terrific friends because they knew that they could go to baseball games more often, but it didn't feel that way. You know, it never felt like I was this bratty grandkid who somehow was somebody they needed to glob onto because of what we had. And that's great. I really credit him with that because somehow he kept us pretty humble where we're still eating Jack in the box tacos and, you know, acting like all the other kids and, and having fun and, and being on the field with the other, with the players kids. So we really just felt like that, but, but yeah, he was a larger than life figure and he did so many great things in this, in this town and for this, for this team, for this franchise that it always felt pretty special but you know you, you don't just have one set of grandparents so i had other grandparents and you know who worked in a refinery and and had blue collar jobs and and had a ranch in south texas so i really had a really great mixture of of uh, grandparents and that kept it all pretty even keel too
1: so when you see the Astrodome now, which was your grandfather's vision, and he helped make it happen, you know, the first indoor stadium, uh, and then obviously led to AstroTurf, which he was instrumental in developing as well. Uh, when you see the Astrodome now, what, what do you hope happens moving forward? I mean, it has to be somewhat disappointing uh, to just kind of see it sitting there and, and really nothing happening with it.
4: You know, there's there's some things finally happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that are really encouraging Um, people with with significant credibility who have um, ideas that are practical and yet also inspired. And so I'm I'm really appreciative of that and also uh, emboldened by the fact that it's not something that's going to involve digging into people's pockets and doing anything that's like a pie in the sky type Mm -hmm. of approach. But there's some things that need to be happening in this town that can be productive. There's some things that are happening in places like Atlanta. And you see when you go to these other ballpark villages in Colorado and that sort of thing. And with the baseball team not being there, you don't have as many home dates. And you can relate to that. But you've done enough basketball and other sports in your life. You see in this town there's room for um, doing some things to accommodate the rodeo, to create another venue, perhaps sort of integrate it into what the dome currently looks like, mm-hmm. but have the space to still do some other exciting things that generate revenue, whether it's parking, whether it's spillover, whether it's you see an L.A. Live and you see a Philadelphia, La- Philly Live, and you see these things that go on. Uh, Houston is a world-class city that needs to not only keep up with the Joneses, but pass them. And so we've got some things that I know that are that are in the works And I'm truly excited about the family getting behind it, being supportive of it, and kind of being, frankly, a person who can be helpful as much as I can with all the different um, constituents that are involved. I mean, I went out to Alpine, Texas with my mom and with a group of folks who were just terrific and they just cared so much about the dome and the conservancy and the and the history and and getting that uh, antiquities landmark and that sort of thing. Those are all just pieces of the puzzle. And I feel like there's a there is a serendipitous magic to the fact that I have the opportunity to go in and and do the best I can to help bridge the the right approach to making that happen and rallying the support. But I do know behind the scenes it's happening and I believe that the county is uh is seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and so is the city and so fortuitously I had a a really dear friend Jimmy Lee Solomon who worked at MLB and started the Urban Youth Academies and and may he rest in peace he passed away last fall and was involved in business that I'm working on and Jimmy Lee was really tight with Mayor Turner, so I got to have a relationship with Mayor Turner and, and have, have a discussion there. So some things have come full circle for me in my life, and I'm at that great intersection where I hope that I can add that value and, and help to do something that, that really recognizes the, the melting pot of effort that was required to get the Astrodome built in the first place.
1: All right, Den Mann, grandson of Judge Roy Hofheinz, one of the new inductees into the Astros Hall of Fame and original owner of the Houston Astros. Thank you so much for joining us, Den. Always good to see you.
4: Thank you, you too. Keep up the great work. Tell Sparky hello. I'm really glad to see he's uh, he's in that booth with you, and you guys, are, you guys are the best.
1: Absolutely. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this.
0: Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, the Houston Astros, on your radio, all summer long. Okay, welcome back to
5: Astro Launch. This is Steve Sparks ahead of the second game with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, The Astros won a big game last night, and Omar Lopez, the third base coach for the Astros, is my guest today. Omar, first of all, a big swing by Kyle Tucker yesterday. You've known him for a long time. Is he exceeding your expectations, or is he right about where you thought he'd be at this point?
6: Well, a a lot of people – let me go back. Thank you, Spike, for the opportunity. Um... Sure. Like, let me go back. I mean, back in the days when he was in high A, even in low, in, in, in low A and in Quack cities, uh, uh everybody was talking about his uh, weird swing that he had. Yeah. That he had, and he still has it. <laughs> so, um, but I remember this exactly words by our hitting coach back in those days, that that swing have a lot of room for errors. Okay? So, he let those hands so, you know, so back in the, behind his body that he has a, Great quick whip yeah. that he's gonna be able to uh, to do damage on mistakes, even though if he collapses a little bit with his front side. So I think that's what makes Cal uh, special at the plate. Now, one of the things that he was uh, he was trying to deal with uh, with uh, with his swing was uh, pitches like uh, open in and. Uh, Surprised me like in the in the in the in the last few years that he's been making those adjustments yeah. probably not chasing and sometimes f- fouling it off you know being able to 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 fight at the plate and then away for the mistakes when you get a player like that he's in high school and he has a weird
5: looking swing like you said. Do they tell you at the very beginning, don't touch him, let him let him do his
6: thing for a little while first? That's what they did to him. They didn't touch him at all. Yeah. At all. They just uh they recognize that that swing at some point is gonna apply and uh it's gonna be able to execute it and also uh, the baseball IQ that this kid has yeah. since uh, since he was a child, I believe so, because to be able to be selected in the first round uh, out of high school is because you have something and uh, it took some time to, uh, to Cal to uh, prove consistency in the minors uh, uh, to be able to, uh, to see if he can compete in the, in the big leagues and he's doing it and, uh, and I think he's, he's more to come he's more to come because he's going to grow up he's going to be more mature mm-hmm. and, uh, and, I, and I think Cal if he you know got keeping healthy I'm hoping uh, he stay healthy for the rest of his career he's going to be special
5: We've got a question for you. You may have to think about it for just a minute. But as a minor league head coach, a manager, you had to write a million reports. You had to write reports on your team, on the other teams that you were playing against for 12 years in the minor leagues with the Astros. So, Omar, I want to ask you, who did you miss most on? When you were writing reports, you said, like, this guy can't make it, whether it's on the Astros or another organization. Because I had a lot of teammates that I missed on that I didn't think that were going to be even in the major leagues, they ended up having good careers.
6: Now, on top of my head, Sparky, I don't have any names. Yeah. But uh, I can tell you that when you spend days, and days to days, and days, and years and years with the same, same players, it's hard to miss. It's hard to miss the progression, the development year by year. Getting to know the guys uh, from the mental standpoint, physical standpoint, strong mental toughness. Uh, it's hard to miss. It's hard to miss. But uh, you probably your predictions it could be it could be fail when when you spend like like for example a couple couple years ago I had Jake Myers okay. for only one month, and uh, on top of my 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 my, 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 my head is like. Okay, this guy was swinging and missed a lot. Okay. A lot. Like, like almost a strikeout every night twice and three times. And then towards the end of the, the, end of the season, or basically after the season, I say okay, it's hard for me to predict Jake Myers when I only was able to see him only one, one month. Uh, it's at the end of the season uh, that he already have 400 at bats. He don't know what to expect about like like what is full season even though he played the year before a full season, but never in Texas League. Mm. Because it's easy. In my two years in Texas, every guy that shows up in Texas League, it dropped down his average like 30, 40 points. Yeah. Easy, quick. Why? Better pitching better pitching execution, more velo, travel, yeah. tough travel, That's right. eating differently. And uh, compared to high A, which was Carolina Lee, Carolina, Carolina Lee is Disney World in yep. terms of travel, eating, uh, uh, level-wise. Texas is different. So it's hard to me for predict. So Jake Myers, for me, it was like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so in one month. If he, somebody asked me about that right there, I don't know if Jake Myers is going to be in the big leagues. Now, if he's going to be able to succeed, we have to see now.
5: Okay, so I've got a question about the, in specifically with Jake Myers. He struggled in the one month you saw him.
6: How did he handle it? Uh, really good. Really good, actually. That's, that's talent. Yeah, that actually, actually really good. Actually, when he got here, when he got called up, I said, hey, be yourself. Do not change anything because you have the right personality to be in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Like acting as a, a first-year rookie, whatever. Uh, he always the same guy. Always the same guy. You you don't see – it's hard to see Jake Myers pissed. Yeah. But you know when he's a little bit upset, not mad, not frustrated. Because he understands the game. Like he needs to go out there and do – for me, in that month, what he was able to do best was mm-hmm. his defense. People ask me, I say, "Is that good in, in the outfield?" I say, "Guys, I'm gonna tell you this, and you guys will be crazy, but he's better than a Straw. Wow. And he's better. He's kind of equal or a little bit better defensively, catching the ball, routes, go get, a, go, go, go after the balls. Wow. Arm-wise, a Straw have a better arm strength." But this kid is not, like, have a below-average uh, below average arm strength. He's more quiet, okay, and probably you, you see him like he's a little shy, but not. When he gets up there and the ball has been hit, he's going to turn around and he's going to get to the spot of the ball that he's, he's supposed to end. That's what you want. Yeah.
5: Okay, i got to ask you about Luis Garcia. Last thing, this is Omar Lopez, the third-base coach for the Astros. Luis Garcia, uh, he's got eight wins as a major leaguer this year. He's a horse. I know you guys are trying to keep his innings down a little bit.
6: But what can you tell me about Luis Luis Garcia when you saw him in the minor leagues? Well, uh, Sparky, uh, I was I wasn't able to see Luis Garcia in the minors because uh, my last year in 2019 he was supposed to come and finish in Double A with me. And Bill Murphy, that was my... No, I'm sorry, Graham Johnson, that was my pitching coach. At that time, when we talked to Murph, that was our pitching coordinator. They said, "Oh, we don't have any spot right now to send up to Luis Garcia, but this guy's legit. And I said, okay, if he is legit, why he's not here? He, we, we have a lot of good hitters in this league that he needs to see if he can... He said, and and, and he, we have to see if he's able to compete against these double-A players here. And... Bill Murphy told me he don't need that. He's going to be in the big league soon. I said it. All right. So pandemic shows up. Uh, expand the roster in pandemic. And basically, it was, that's what we got. We have to force these young kids to yeah. make his major league debut. And... When I talk to Luis Garcia, this is my perception because he's from an area in Venezuela there there there's a lot of proactive people. Okay. Proactive, very like hyper people. you know, like like they get up in the morning, they're fishing. It's by the coast. Okay. And people a lot of a lot of parties, a lot of a lot of action. Yeah. And this guy's very shy, calm. When I spoke with them, it was like speaking with a puppy. You know, like you're talking with a puppy, like, really? like a little kid, you know, like a shy kid. Like unassuming. Unassuming, well-educated. Yeah. It's like, what is this? And then when I saw him, this kid on the mound, he looks like a lion. Yeah. Like a big lion, like a horse yeah. out there that like he's going to get into a, a race. Was get after. Get after. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, where's this kid coming from? That's funny. And that's when I start to get to know this guy and super. Yeah. I mean, I like his personality. Uh, he conducted himself super well yeah uh, the entire team loves this kid you don't hear anything bad against against Luis Garcia everything is good and and he's getting better and better and better and better yeah. because he dedicated a lot and he's coming from a, he's coming from a poor town too as well too mm. but he, the education from 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 his family is really good and he also have a brother pitching in Kansas City Royals too organization uh, you know that. yes and um they also almost have the similar uh, build and, and delivery as well, too. Wow. Uh, but this guy throws harder. The other one not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Luis, Luis is going to have a, a long career in, in, in this game. Very
5: good. That's Omar Lopez, third base coach for the Astros. Always thanks for catching up and good luck tonight. No, thank you, Parke.
1: 2-2. And that is a line drive over the head of Jones and just fair down the right field line headed for the corner. McMahon is on his way to second base. He's around second and trying for three. Altuve's relay to third on a hop. The slide. out.
5: Perfect strike from Altuve after getting the ball from Tucker in the corner. Two away. Everything just perfect. Tucker with the throw, then Altuve. With a long hop to the third baseman, and Diaz deking the sliding runner at third base with the late tag. That was beautiful. Yeah, Diaz stood there like there wasn't going to be a play. Next thing you know, the tag was slapped on him. Gray delivers. Swing and a drive to center field. That's going to be a base hit. They're going to send Diaz, and he's going to make it. The ball's cut off right in the middle of the diamond. It's one nothing Astros. Chaz McCormick's two for two. And a big RBI. It's 1-0. Here comes the 0-1. Driven to right field. Slicing away from the right fielder, Blackman. It's down. It's a base hit. Correa is going to score. They're going to send McCormick. He's racing home, and he'll score. Blackman throws the ball away back into the infield. It slipped out of his hand. But Taylor Jones, a triple, scoring two for the Astros with two outs. A shot to right
1: field from Taylor Jones. The 1-1 to Joe, and that's hit hard up the middle. Altuve diving with the backhand from his knees. Throws the first to get him. Altuve into the outfield grass, throwing from his knees from behind second after the diving stop on Connor Joe. Inning over. 0-1. And Brantley drives it to right center. Blackman on his horse. Still going back. And that is off the base of the wall in front of the Astros bullpen. Around third, Altuve. He'll score. It's an RBI double for Brantley and a 4-0 Astros lead. 1-2. And Altuve pokes this down the left field line. That's going to get down for a base hit. Racing around third is Jones. Here comes a throw by Joe to the plate. And it hits Jones as he slides in leg first. It's an RBI single for Altuve. And a 5-0 Astros lead. 3-2. Swing and a miss. Stayed with the changeup, and Hilliard down on strikes. One out. Five changeups in a row. I think,
5: I think that's right. And that last one was the best. A beauty right on the outside corner. 1-2. Bouncing ball left side to his left.
1: Diaz, he has it to second for one. Altuve on the first. That's a double play, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros blank the Colorado Rockies, winning tonight by a final of 5 to nothing. Jaco Derizzi, five scoreless, combining with four relievers on the five-hit shutout. And pleased to be joined now in the Astros dugout by Chaz McCormick. Got the scoring started for the Astros with his RBI single in the fourth. Came in to score as well. Also had a a double in the the second inning. Uh, uh, Chaz, you've been swinging the bed really well on this homestand. Was that nine hits now in your last uh, 22 at-bats? Feeling pretty good at the plate right now?
7: Yeah, yeah, seeing the ball pretty well. Just, you know, trusting uh, my preparation every day. Um, Yeah, felt good today. Felt good the past couple days, you know, just making sure I'm on time, quick to the ball, and, uh, yeah, good things happen.
5: Chaz, John Gray started at the ball game. He was punching out a lot of guys with his slider. You sat on that slider first pitch and hit it off the wall in center field. Were you sitting on that slider?
7: Yeah, I was. I mean, I made sure to, you know, be on time because, you know, you're, you're always your first at bat. You know, even when you're on time, you, you seem a little late. So I just made sure to have a quick swing and be on time. And, you know, he threw me a slider low, but um, it was a good pitch for me to handle. I just stayed through it and uh, hit it well. I wish I went out.
1: You know, you've been doing a good job all year, Chaz, getting spot <clears throat> duty the beginning part of the year, but how much easier is it to try and maintain that rhythm now that you're, you're playing pretty much every day?
7: Yeah, it's it's a lot easier. You know, it's, it's nice to be playing every day, and, and it's, it's nice to know that even if you have a bad day one day, then you can, you know, you're, you're right back out there the next day.
5: Chaz, uh, last thing for me, who's who are you talking to, uh, the veteran hitters? Who's helping you along?
7: Um, you know, uh, Michael Brantley, uh, Diaz. I mean, Diaz has been a really good... It help for me especially in the beginning because he was uh, you know he kind of did the same thing coming off the bench getting clutch ABs Um, but yeah Diaz has helped me a lot and uh, you know I can't thank them enough for uh, you know kind of helping me through this.
5: Alright Chaz McCormick thanks for joining us congratulations on a good game and on the win.
7: Thank you appreciate it. Omar
5: Lopez third base coach for the Astros flashes the signs here comes the 0-1 driven to right field slicing away from the right fielder Blackman it's down it's a base hit Correa is going to score. They're going to send McCormick. He's racing home, and he'll score. Blackman throws the ball away back into the infield. It slipped out of his hand. But Taylor Jones scoring two for the Astros with two outs. A shot to right field from Taylor Jones. we are going to give Taylor Jones a double and an error on Blackman for him to get to third. A big two-out rally for the Astros here in the fourth. Set at the belt by Stevenson. His first pitch to Jones.
1: And that's a line drive over the head of McMahon and Jess Fair and rolls into the corner. Jones chucking for second base, and he has himself his second
5: two-bagger of the night. Hit a double to right, and now a double to left. Out there, use those long arms to, to hook it down the line. He was ready right from the get-go.
4: Taylor, you feel like you've turned the corner offensively?
8: Yeah, I think I just made some adjustments. And now I'm kind of starting to see that pay off a little bit to get in front of in to a little bit of a rhythm, and obviously that's a big thing with hitting is being able to put some consistent at-bass together, and, and so it's, it's kind of nice to see that.
9: Hey, Taylor, um, how, how have you sort of felt offensively since you've been up here and I guess just in A this year? How have you felt approach-wise and
8: swing-wise all year? Uh, yeah, this uh, last option that I had, I started to tinker with uh, mechanics a little bit with the swing, um, and so when I went down, I was able to
10: kind of put that to use and,
8: and start to get in a little bit of a rhythm down there. Um, just to be ready so that when I did get another opportunity, um, I could kind of hit the ground running a little bit. And so I've, I've started to feel like I could put some better at bats together. Um, I'm making better moves to the ball. And um, now I think it's starting to pay off a little bit.
0: You look more relaxed at the plate now. Is that something that you focused on when you went uh, back down for a second? And then now you get an opportunity to play now?
8: Yeah. I mean, um, when you make adjustments that, You can feel confident about it. It gives you confidence at the plate, and I think I just kind of feel that now. I knew that there were some things that were off early on in the season, but you got to kind of battle through that and just play with what you got. Um, With with some of the limited at bats that I had, you know, the confidence wasn't quite there. So I definitely kind of brought that with me when I got, uh, you know, when I was down in Triple A and kind of tinkered with some of the stuff. um, So now I do feel like I can be a little bit more confident with the swing and and when I'm at the plate now.
5: It's a two-two count to Crone. Stanek looks in for the sign, a long look, an open stance, stands straight up and down. Here's the 2-2 pitch from Ryan Stanek, and he got him. Strike three on the split finger, and a fist pump from Stanek, and he strands a runner on second base. We'll go to the seventh inning stretch. The Astros lead three to one.
1: Presley works on the first base side of the rubber. The high set, hands away from the body at the letters. The one two, swing and a miss. Got him on the curve ball, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros sweep the two-game set from the Rockies and in their six-game homestand on a winning note, winning this afternoon by a final of five to one. And Jake Myers joins us, got his first big league start today and contributed with a base hit and a run scored in the sixth inning. And Jake, you helped manufacture that run. You stole your first big league base and then got to third on the deep fly out by Jones. And then, man, what a great slide uh, to, to, to be safe at home. Did you know right away that you were safe even though you were called out?
2: Um, I thought I got in there. Uh, just just I felt the tag and I felt like my uh, my hand got in there. And so I, I, you know, I kind of was looking at the dugout, hoping they were going to review it, and and they did. They they reviewed it right away, and I was really happy that they overturned that.
5: And Jake, not only that, you're a wizard uh, down the the foul line in right field, jumping into the netting to snag a big out for the Astros. What did that fan tell you when you smacked against him?
2: <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, it it all happened kind of fast. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure kind of what happened, but. Uh, I was working on, on a similar, uh, you know, just getting some reads before the game. And um, kind of had a similar play before the game. And so I, I felt like I had already done it uh, before it kind of happened. So it was a lot of fun to cool. do it in the game.
1: Hey, Dusty told us before the game that uh, he didn't tell you until the day that you were going to get your first big league start. Did you have an inkling today might be the day?
2: Um, a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I feel like, you know, every, every day you just need to come uh, ready to play. Um, and. I'm happy it was today. Uh, it, was, it was a really fun day, and, and I'm glad we got the win.
1: All right, Jake Myers, thanks for joining us, and here's to many more big league starts for you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you guys.
5: This season, Chick-fil-A is on a mission to fight hunger in the greater Houston area. Every time the Astros load the bases at Minute Maid Park, Houston area Chick-fil-A restaurants, and the Astros Foundation have teamed up to pledge 1,000 meals each to feed hungry Houstonians. Let's cheer on the Astros as we fight hunger in Houston. This is Steve Sparks ahead of the three games with the Los Angeles Angels. And Blumber, it seems like we're saying just about the same thing uh, every time. Jeff Blum is our guest today. Sorry about that, Jeff. Uh,
9: <laughs> Good to be on with you, Steve Sparks. It's uh, <laughs> always a pleasure. I know you're a little confused probably because you're actually in a hotel room, and I, I am not.
5: You know, you talk about the Angels, and we're always saying they feel like they're Pitching is always going to keep them short of the playoffs, and it looks like it's going to be the case again this year. Do you agree with that? Yeah, the Angels are always have always been that team.
9: Whether it be they have made some moves to get that rotation going, and then they hit the injury bug, or they have uh, guys in there that just under underachieve. I know that the way that their their ball club is structured to be highly offensive, and usually when they're at full strength, they can score a lot of runs. But they just have they have had all kinds of issues. Uh, keeping the opposing offense down. And I think, you know, the greatest example of that is how they played the Astros in the past where they've kind of gotten to the Astros pitching, but they've been some high-scoring games but the Astros always end up winning out because they just score more runs.
5: Do you think that the way the Astros play within the division since basically five or six years ago, take last year out, but do you think that's more of a psychological advantage that they have now within the division?
9: Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they were constructing this team, I think I would imagine the idea probably was how do we win? How do we win our division? I think that's how most teams look at it, too. They say, how do we win our division? Who's our toughest competition and how do we put together a team to beat that toughest competition? And obviously, uh, Jeff Luno and uh, James Click is now continuing, but they did a good job of putting a team to compete in the West. And now that they've won it, I think that they have created kind of that culture of uh, intimidation as far as, oh, man, here come the Astros again. They're going to they're gonna beat up on us, whether it be at uh, Minute Maid Park or on the road. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes even that, that road prowess, knowing that they're coming into a ballpark where the Angels play pretty well, it still carries a little bit of weight uh, as far as intimidation. And you've got to play your A game to beat the Astros.
5: You know what I love about this team now is it feels like they're six inning games. And we've talked about this. Oh, man, I'm with you. But Ryan Stanek, Kendall Graven, and Ryan Presley locking things down. If you have the lead uh, through six innings, looks pretty sure, doesn't it?
9: It it looks really sure. And I would imagine, and you could probably speak better to this, you know, how does that affect the starting rotation? Because earlier in the season, you know, Dusty's old school, maybe pushing these guys a little bit further than, than maybe, you know, they thought they were able to go. So they were being forced to go six and seven innings to try and protect that bullpen. now it feels like it's the other way around since the trade deadline, because you do have those three quality guys to shut a game out in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. So it may alter, you know, how the starting pitchers go out there and allow them to be a little bit more maybe comfortable or under control or in, you know, maybe less panic when they go out there is thinking they have to be perfect.
5: Talking with Jeff Blum, Jeff, uh, when you look at the Astros offense, just in a blanket statement, what type of pitchers would give them the most fits? Oh man, guys that
9: were able to locate guys that are able to locate minimum of three pitches. I think if you are a and you'd have and it would be a mix of fastball, obviously, to be able to and especially two seam fastball. If you've got a two seam fastball that can run in on right-handed hitters, hmm. I think that can cause some consternation for right-handed hitters for the Astros because it opens up that outside corner. And the second pitch would have to be that slider that covers the other side of the plate. And then once you get a left-handed pitcher up there, you've got to have a pretty good changeup or a split. We've seen the Astros in the past kind of struggle with those guys that are able to, to throw those pitches for strikes early and then go to the strikeout pitch late. So for me, it would be a, a three-pitch pitcher that was able to have the get-me-over type stuff yeah. early in the count and then maybe that put-away stuff later in the count.
5: Yuli Gurriel comes off the, the IL today. And in the long run, that 10 days may be the best thing that happened to this Astros offense all year long, right?
9: Yeah, you you and I get two or three days off during a broadcast season and we feel pretty <laughs> good coming back. So <laughs> I can only imagine how good it's gonna feel for Yuli. And you're yeah. right, during the you know, these dog days of summer. Uh, for guys, and, you know, it's it's no secret that he's a little bit older at 37 years old, but, you know, time off the legs. And even unplugging the mind at that age, even as as good as he is in that veteran mentality, even just unplugging the mind is going to make him better. Uh, we saw it with Michael Brantley. It did him wonders. He came back refreshed. But at this given moment, I think it's going to do wonders for Yuli coming back and uh, being fresh and refreshed to finish off the season.
5: Last thing, Jeff, uh, the Astros pushed back uh... – Alex Bregman a little bit with his rehab. He restarts that again with Sugar Land just to make sure everything's right. Is that, the, is that how, how you take this right now?
9: Yeah, legs are tough. You know, I, I don't know if you ever had any leg injuries, but for a position player that's playing every single day, in a sport that is, you know, reliant on your lower half, not just on defense, but on offense. And it's also a, a sport that can be sedentary at times. And then you have to have explosive, Earth. fast yeah. twitch type bursts. Exactly. And that's where I think the issue might be, you know, whether it be tentativeness just because it's in your head or because it's actual a physical ailment. So I think it's better to make sure that he's right. And how about the fact that you have the luxury of a Ledmus Diaz? To be able to tell Alex, hey, we're not going to force you back. We're going to give you a little more time and get back when you're ready.
5: Prediction, seven-game road trip, three with the Angels, four with the Kansas City Royals. How many do you think the Astros uh, come back home with?
9: Uh, You're taking two out of three from the Angels just because they play so well on the road in their division. Um, I expect Altuve and Correa to have a really good series in L.A. just because they've had history against those guys. Uh, and then the one, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm leaning towards three out of four, but I think a split in Kansas city would be good just because I don't know what it is about that organization or the guys that they get to play. They're always, they're athletic and they grind, you know, they're just, they don't give up because they've got nothing to lose. So, uh, it it should be a good time out there in Kauffman stadium. I'm hoping for three out of four there, but I'll take two out of four from uh, Kansas city.
5: Very good, man. Thanks for the time. Great catching up.
9: Anytime. Enjoy the road trip. The 1-2.
1: Swing and a miss. Went after an off-speed pitch downstairs. An awkward-looking swing by Adele and a big strikeout for Greinke. The 3-2 to Marsh. Swing and a miss. Got him on an elevated fastball, and the inning is over. So Stassi, a leadoff double, got to third with one out, and then Greinke strikes out Adele and Marsh to get out of it. 1-2. Swing and a miss. Marsh goes down on the curveball, and that is out number two. Fourth strikeout for Greinke. Swing and a miss. Mayfield goes down on a high fastball, and Greinke has his fifth strikeout. Nine in a row retired by Zach. One away. One out, no one on for Shohei Otani. He's lined out and flied out tonight. 2-2. Swing
5: and a mess. Got him on a changeup away. Back-to-back strikeouts for Grinky. Seven shutout innings for Zach Grinky. He was brilliant. Just two hits And that one, man. It was a walk in the park, no walks, seven strikeouts. Greinke retiring the last 14 in a row. What was working so
10: uh, well for you tonight, and what was your game plan of attack out there? Uh, I think all
11: the pitches were working pretty good. Location was pretty good, and uh, so they hit some balls uh, well. Well. And uh, had some guys playing in that spot, so that made it – made it nice. And so uh, it was less – less stress that way.
10: Zach, you've obviously had some really good games this year. Where do you think this one stacks up in terms of the, the season so far?
11: You know what, I haven't uh, thought about that in a while. I don't, I don't really know how I remember the games off the top of my head. But I'm guessing there is some better than this.
12: Was there a thought in your mind where yeah. you were like, maybe this can be another complete game?
11: No, nah, never crossed my mind today. It was uh, just didn't see it happening. I was happy, happy to get seven, that's for sure. I was thinking
10: more likely six, um, so nine never crossed my mind. How's your body holding up? As You know, we get into August now. I think Dusty mentioned something about, you know, you were complaining about some arm issues uh, a couple of starts ago or earlier, but just overall, how are you feeling physically at this point in the season?
11: I uh, feel great now. I mean, we get off days all the time, and uh, we only throw like 80 pitches now. So it's a, easy, a lot easier to stay uh, in good shape throughout the season now than it used to be.
10: Jack, what about the way y'all were able to limit Otani and
11: you kept him in the ballpark? Uh, you know, I mean, his at-bats have gotten better uh, every time I face him. Uh, this year, the second time we faced him was a uh, first time I thought, all his, all his at-bats were really locked in, and today, same thing. He did what he was supposed to do, kind of, for the most part, with what I threw to him, and uh, hit a ball at the warning track. Maybe at our park, it might have been a homer.
12: And, like, after the first time through the lineup, uh, you were able to get through much easier. Was there something that you changed or something that you saw uh, that contributed to that?
11: You know, I, I would agree. Like, the first time through the order, even the outs, they uh, they hit the ball decent and some uh, line drives that were at, guys, so that uh, helped. But, uh, yeah, the second and third time, I don't know if it's much better, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot smoother. I don't really know why.
10: Uh, Zach, um, good evening. Uh, congratulations on your win tonight. By the way, uh, the 219 of your career. What does it mean to you to tie uh, Hall of Fame Pedro Martinez for the 80, uh position of all time?
11: I uh, tied... Uh... Pedro Martinez, I think you said. That's that's nice. He was the – I mean, he, him, Greg Maddox, Clemens, those, those guys were the best. I guess there's a couple more. Uh, Randy Johnson off the top of my head. Uh, those guys were the guys when I was in uh, middle school, high school, and probably a little before that.
5: Bases are jacked nobody out in a scoreless ball game. Three infielders on the right. Outfielders are deep and shaded the other way. Tucker with massive power. 385 hitter with the bases loaded in his career. Five for 12 this year. Holds the bat really high above his helmet. Here's the first pitch. Breaking ball.
0: Crank to right field.
5: What do you expect Kyle Tucker? A grand slam and it's four to nothing. First pitch breaking ball and Tucker goes yard for his 22nd. Home run of the season. First
1: career grand slam for Kyle Tucker. Obviously came up there sitting, breaking ball,
5: and got it. Boy, was he ever. Not even a flinch right on time for the slow breaking ball. It was a curve, outer third of the plate, and Tucker with those long arms cranks it into the right field bleachers.
12: Kyle, you'd only seen, I believe, one pitch in your first at-bat, and then you hit a grand slam on your first pitch of your second what did you see that made you go for it? And did you get the sense as soon as you made contact that it was going to be out of there?
13: Yeah. Um, I mean, first AB, I got down, I threw a curveball. Um, I feel like it like, kind of backed up, like ended up like around in the inner line. Um, so it just got me there. Um, and then I just saw the slider. Uh, next AB, left it over the plate, and I just put a good swing on it.
10: Yeah, they they uh, lowered the walls here this year in right field. So I'm guessing when you hit that one, you probably knew it had a pretty good shot.
13: Yeah, uh, I, I hit it pretty well and, you know, saw the angle of it. So I felt pretty good about that one. And, yeah, I'm kind of glad they lowered the wall just in just in case on some of them. Kyle, what do you think about getting that first slam of your career? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I actually didn't know that until later. Um but, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Anything you do, like, for the first time with, like, for me, with the team that we have is special. Um, just, like, sharing moments like that with with these group of guys is, is great.
10: I think the last time you guys scored four runs in an inning was a 2 way slam in, in San Francisco. Just with the way the offense is going right now, um, the base is loaded there, you, you know, feeling a little more pressure to, to try to get some of those runs in because you haven't been putting up a lot of crooked numbers.
13: I mean, as long as we're running games, you know, doesn't really matter um but you know we had bases loaded no outs I knew like even if I hit it relatively like deep to the outfield you know Carlos was gonna score score I mean bases loaded no outs yeah yeah you know good good chance of scoring at least one so you know I was glad we ended up putting up four and you know kept the lead and got the win
12: who do you think uh, of your teammates was most excited for you
13: I don't know I think they were all pretty excited um I mean, everyone's excited every time, like, someone hits a homer or, like, scores or gets a hit. Um, you know, pretty much everyone's excited, especially when, you know, we take the lead off of that and, you know, put up runs on the board. So uh, everyone gets excited for us.
5: Here's the 0-1. Pops this one up. Center field going back on it is Marsh. He's on the warning track. Now he leaps, and it's over the wall. And it looked like it hit above the yellow line. Myers cruises into third. And I think that's a homer. It looked like it hit a couple of feet above the yellow line. And they're going to take a look. And now they're going to say home run. So Myers goes deep for the first time as a major leaguer. And it's 2-1. to one.
1: 0-1 the count to Myers. Pitched by Guerra. And Myers hits it in the air to right. Fairly deep. It sends back Eaton at the wall. Looking up. Grand slam. Jake Myers. Two home runs. His first two in the big leagues coming tonight. Including a granny. And the Astros lead it
5: 8-2. to two. How about the kid from Omaha? Boy, what a shot the other way for Jake Myers. A mirror image of the fourth inning last night. Walk, walk, single, grand slam. And the Astros open this one up. Coming into tonight, Jake Myers did not have a big league home run
1: or a big league RBI. Now he has two big league home runs and five big league RBIs.
10: What kind of thrill was this whole night for you? Just getting the first home run and then, you know, the, the big grand slam to blow it open.
2: Uh, it's an incredible moment. A um, lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun playing with the guys today, and it was a great game. I'm glad we won.
12: Can you uh, take us through the grand slam and, and kind of what you felt uh, in the aftermath?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was kind of just looking for a fastball um, or, or anything up in the zone to, to just really get a run in, um, no outs, uh, bases loaded, guy, you know, guys in scoring position. Just try to do a job and, and help the team out, and I hit it really well, and <laughs> it ended up going out, and so it was a lot of fun.
12: Had you ever hit a Grand Slam at any other point in your career, minors, high
2: school? I believe maybe just one. But not very many. So, this is it's a pretty special moment, um, especially to do it at, at this level. Jake, did
10: you feel a little cheated at first in the first one because you didn't know it was homer right away? You didn't get to take the tour. You stopped at third and you kind of got even with the slam.
2: Um, I was just excited to hear. I got to third base and uh, Omar was, was telling me that's a homer, that's a, that's a home run. And because I kind of just put my head down and started to run when I saw it bounce off the wall. And so I, I was happy when I heard that and happy I got a touch home. Um, and, then, and then the Grand Slam on top of it was just, was just really cool. You have two huge mementos in those baseballs. Have you given some thought to where you, what you're going to do with them? I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure yet. What was it like when you got in the dugout after both of them? Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, happy faces, um, support. It was really cool to see everybody um, – you know, that happy for me and for the team because uh, kind of got got everything going a little bit. Um, uh, everybody in the lineup just, just went really well today. What, what's been the first couple of weeks in the
10: big leagues like, considering you've only started once prior to today, you're coming in the ninth inning a lot of times against, you know, some of the – some hard throwers. I mean, it's been a pretty tough assignment. Is that uh, – you know, has that made it a little more difficult and, and you know, just to kind of get your mind
2: around what you're supposed to do every day? Yeah, um, when I when I got the call up, um, I kind of I kind of saw what where I, where I was, my role on the team, and, and I really just wanted to to help out in any way, um, any opportunity I got, just you know help the team uh, win because that's that's what it's about up here. So um, just kind of embracing that, it's been it's been fun for me to learn from some of the guys, and they've been awesome, uh, very supportive in helping me learn things up here.
0: Jake, how comfortable are you starting to feel at the plate? You had two home runs tonight, but it looked like you could have had four.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw it well. Um, I saw it well, and I felt like I was on time most of the time tonight, which is awesome. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's um, credit to, you know, really the, the coaches um, and, and the other players to help set me up for, for you know, uh, um, something like this.
10: Yeah, I just want to ask, do you typically have a lot of power to, the, you know, the opposite field? or Is that, uh, you know, you like to drive the ball that way? Is that, you know, when
2: you're going right, is that the place where you can get the ball out of the park generally? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always, I've always liked hitting the ball to, to right center the other way. Um, but I, just, I like using the whole field, um, where, wherever it's pitched, you know, use the whole field.
1: The one-two, swing and a miss. Otani goes down on the hook. Fourth strikeout for Luis Garcia. One away. Fletcher at third. Walsh at first. Now the 3-2. Swing and a foul tip into the glove of Castro for strike three. Stassi goes down on strikes for the second time tonight. And there are two outs in the inning. Here's the 1-0. That's a ground ball. Softly hit right side past Garcia. Tough play for Altuve. Fields throws. Got him. Angels will probably take a look at that. Joe Madden has his right hand up. A uh, slowly hit, bouncing ball by Iglesias. And Altuve had to get rid of it quickly with that sidearm toss. Is there enough to overturn that? And know. if it is overturned, that would mean a run for the Angels. And that the inning would continue, and the call stays the same.
12: Luis, how were you able to settle down after that first inning? Uh, I
1: was trying to, to bottle old uh, old outing, and I was trying to
6: do my thing, like oh. oh. The whole night, he went okay, so I'm happy all that.
0: Luis, can you talk about the offensive production you got from uh, from from your teammates tonight?
11: Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Myers did an awesome job today, and I'm pretty happy work for him. So, and I'm glad because
0: he he deserved it. I'm very happy for him. Yeah. Um. Luis, Dusty said that around the 80 pitch mark, you start to.